This is a spoiler warning, you insignificant worms. So take heed, for I am Baalzaman, heart of the dark. The lowly mortal who creates this content has read the series cover to cover, book to book, many, many times. He will be discussing everything he can think of, irrelevant, relevant, regardless. So... Take heed of my warning. If you have not read the series all the way through and spoil something for yourself, well, who is to blame, listener? Not I. Not I. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Gleeman Radio, your daily dose for the Wheel of Time, at least uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, I, I am super excited to be back here for episode 7 of the Return to the Wheel of Time podcast as we discuss chapter 6 of the Eye of the World, The Westwood. We all know what this chapter is about, really. It's just Rand bringing his father to Emmons Field while he's having the fever dream about the Aeel, and this is where it's going to start that whole never-ending cycle of Rand not accepting who he is because Tam's my father. He is. It was just a fever dream. It was all nonsense. We'll, we'll get over it eventually, but this is where we start that hugely tiring ordeal. <laughs> Anyways, last time on the Eye of the World, we discovered much like the Wheel of Time, the chores on the Althor farm have no beginning nor end. We also learn a bit more about Tam when he comes down with a sword and I was not satisfied with how he got it, so I read a segment from the Wheel of Time companion that at least I found interesting. And I hope you did as well. Uh, and lastly, just about as the boys are about to get some food in their stomachs, they've been really busy all day. I'm sure they need it. Uh, nah, Trollocs come. Yeah, Narg shows up as well as some of, some of his buddies. Uh, kind of terrorize and kind of destroy the farmhouse a little bit. Trust me, you do not want to go back in that farmhouse. But surprisingly, well, not from Tam, who is a veteran and awesome all around, uh, Rand actually does pretty well with the Trollocs. Both boys do. They think more about how to help each other than how to escape by themselves. And that just proves that even though Rand calls himself a Coplin fool for being afraid, he's got guts. Remember, Rand, it's never a crime to be afraid, only to let that fear overcome you and not move forward. So yeah, I think that's everything. I don't want to spend too much time here. Uh, this chapter isn't very long, so I think to help me out, I'm going to do two chapters today. Uh, you know, you'll get, you know, you know, this episode and then I'm going to do the next episode. I'm going to stop rambling. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I am having so much fun with it. Uh, I almost didn't get to it. I'm a little behind. I like to record ahead. But uh, uh, here's a, a word of wa uh, words of wisdom for you. Um, if you're just trying to like procrastinate and buy a little time before you get something done, don't check your Patreon page to see if the people you're subscribed to have posted new content because that's a really easy way to lose a whole Saturday. It really is. And then this morning, I was should have start, started recording 
uh, a couple hours ago, but I was listening to a new uh, a new insert of the Dragon Reread, which is another Wheel of Time podcast. They finally put out their first episode um, concerning book six, and I, 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 I couldn't help myself. I'm only halfway through it. Because I had to force myself to pause so I could do this. Uh, I love, I love my life. I'm forcing myself to pause a Wheel of Time podcast so I can p- record a Wheel of Time podcast. I think I'm just a weird person. Who knows? Uh, anyways, without further ado, let's just get right into that chapter, shall we? Battles are always hot, even in the snow. Sweat heat, blood heat. Only death is cool. Slope of the mountain. Only place didn't stink of death. Had to get away from smell of it, sight of it. Heard a baby cry. The women fight alongside the men, sometimes. But why they had let her come, I don't... Gave birth there alone, before she died of her wounds. Covered the child with her cloak, but the wind... Blown the cloak away. Child blew with the cold. Should have been dead, too, crying there, crying in the snow. I couldn't just leave a child. No children of our own. Always knew you wanted children. I knew you'd take it to your heart, Kari. Yes, lass. Rand is a good name. A good name. All right, so first off, I got to point out that I was wrong. At the end of the last chapter... I said that Rand said about bandaging his father, but that's actually how this chapter begins. He's analyzing his father's wound by moonlight, he's having a really hard time seeing it, and he's kind of really confused because it's only like this little shallow gash along his ribs, and Tam has this like horribly high fever, and I mean, Rand is just shell-shocked because he's seen his father just stop work long enough to rent something like that off that you know before he gets back to work something even worse than that you know before getting back to work so seeing his father in this kind of state is really shocking and horrifying for him and yeah high fever uh, really really hot around the wound hot enough to make him kind of grimace when he touches it uh, and Rand is still afraid of the Trollocs and their senseless destruction. He's still shocked that these monsters from Gleeman's Tales had appeared in the night and just ruined his winter night. He is not having a good day. Anyways, he remembers his father talking about how sensitive the Trollocs' hearing is. And he has to stop himself from putting a hand over his father's mouth as he's bandaging him up. You know, he's like, oh, shut up, Dad. Come on, we don't want any of them to hear us. Come on, Dad, don't do this. And this is about the time that Tam starts his whole fever dream talking stuff. I wonder how much of this is just the fever. And again, if Rand is pulling out information via Taviran, I mean... This is stuff he has to know. It's stuff that he has to learn about himself, that he has to accept so he can move on in his journey, in his adventure. He's here learning about his goddamn origin story. I I, I mean, it's not something he wants, but 
I, I honestly think it's kind of needed. So, yeah, Tam starts with talking about Kari, you know, he's just all fevered up. Kari, you're still as beautiful as a girl, which is, um, um, I, I, I assume he means a, a, a young, marriageable lady whose hair is ready to be braided, even though she's not a Two Rivers girl. I think she's Andorran. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, lovely as a girl. Uh, I, I guess that's supposed to be fine. It just, I think he's supposed to mean that she's still young and beautiful, even though she's in her, like, you know, 30s or 40s at that point, you know? And this kind of stuff makes Rand grimace. He's like, oh, shit. Mom's been dead for 15 years. If Dad thinks he's talking to her right now, this is this is not good. This is, this is not good at all. Um, yeah. Dad, uh, Mom wants you to be quiet. Uh, there's Trollocs around that are going to kill us if they hear you talking too much. So have a drink of water. And I got to... And then he starts building the cart. He takes the... Um, where am I? He takes the cart shafts. I was a little confused last time at what he was doing. And, and he was really just cutting it down to the cart shafts. And he's tying the blankets on it to make a litter. Uh, he puts his father on it, which causes some groans and pains. But what else can he do? He has to carry his father back to Emmons Field. So he, he, he lifts up the, the, the litter and kind of sets it on his shoulders or, like, kind of uses the blankets to, like, kind of wrap it around his, you know, neck. Uh, and he starts hauling the, uh, the, <laughs> the litter. I couldn't even think of litter. I wanted to say cart. Then I wanted to say trolley. I don't know why. Like, what? Am I thinking about trollocs? And <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, so he starts dragging the cart towards Emmons Field, and his first thought is the quarry road. But once he kind of gets to it, which he gets to it a little bit quicker in the dark than he was expecting, uh, which is weird because this whole chapter is about how long and difficult the path is in the dark, uh, but he makes it to the quarry road, and then he kind of panics because he feels like way, way too open, um, too exposed. And the funny thing is, is like when he was making his way to the quarry road, he's like, I don't really want to drag it through the woods, but now he's on the quarry road and looking back and forth and he can, you know, even in the dark, you know, this is, this, these are, these are open areas and then, yeah, he's not comfortable with this. So he drags the, uh, litter into the, uh, trees just like barely inside of the quarry road so he's trying to kind of hide amongst the darkness and the limbs and the branches while being able to see the road as a guide to kind of make his way through um and Rand's just he's not having a good night guys he is exhausted he's been up since dawn uh to start his chores then they walk to Emmons Field in the blistering wind and cold. Then they did chores at Emmons Field. He had to carry all in all the casts to the cellar. Then he uh, hung around with his buddies and had some seriously exhausting news and interactions. Then he walks home, does more chores till nightfall, and just about till dinner time gets attacked by Trollocs and has to run around the woods and carry his injured father into town. He is exhausted, he is hungry, he is not doing well, and, you know, even though he belted on Tam's sword, he is not feeling it. He's like, you know, I don't know how to use this. It's like a big knife. I am screwed. He's lucky. Lucky he killed Narg. He knows that. I mean, he might use it to defend himself, 
but he knows for a fact he is not a match against a Trollic at this point in time. And this is where he's like, man, whenever I thought about going on an adventures and wearing a sword, I did not imagine running from my life, my father on the brink of death, or my teeth and knees chattering. <laughs> I don't think anyone imagines being a hero and imagines being afraid. Uh, so that's cool, Ran. You're all right. But this kind of goes into more. You can tell this is going to get more uh, problems with Egwene. Because Rand tasted what an adventure might be like, and he hates it. And uh, as we learn, you know, in the next few chapters, Egwene is still gung-ho about adventures. So, hooray for more miscommunication and problems between the two horribly paired couple. Oh, okay. I kind of started... I, I started talking without looking at my notes, and I am lost. So I need to find where I am. I am so sorry. Tam, uh, aff Rand afraid of Tam's weakness. Uh, difficult path. So, yeah, I don't know how many of you have spent a lot of time trudging through the woods. But trudging through the woods... By moonlight, he's getting caught in brambles, he's getting, you know, little holes, he doesn't know how even the ground is. This is making the trip really, really difficult. I mean, he never knows what's going to happen on his next step. He doesn't know if it's going to sink, if it's going to go up, if it's going to get caught in something. Rand is not having a good time, and all these bumps and jerks and you know, holes and all this is bumping the litter and causing Tam to groan. Uh, and it's around this time where Rand is um, imagining uh, Mr. Salvier's wonderful cooking once he gets there that uh, Tam kind of starts fever talking again a bit more loudly and in an angry voice. And this is when we finally get a discussion about the eel. All right, so let's see how I can do with a fever voice. So Tam's like, They came over the dragon wall like a flood and washed the land in blood. How many died for layman's sin? You know, and it's just imagine that, like, quick and angry and gruff and you're exhausted and you're pulling the, the, the litter and, and you, know, you know, Rand almost fell over in surprise. He puts down the litter and tries to tend to his father, you know, check his fever, you know, wet down a cloth. He, he put a cloth on, on the, his father's head and wet it down. I forgot to say that. I apologize. Uh, he wets that down again. He tries to give his father a drink. And, yeah, so... No. He's like, no, father, there's no Trollocs. I don't know why you think Trollocs are coming over this dragon wall. What's that? Uh, but no, you need to be quiet, dad. Like, we're in danger. So uh, let me get you here. And uh, Tam seizes Rand by the collar and pulls him close. So close he can feel the fever of Tam on his skin. And he's like, they called them savages. The fools said they could be swept aside like rubbish. How many battles lost before they learned the truth? And the nations united to stand against them. Battlefields carpeted with the dead. And the topless towers of Karian were burning in the night like torches. I hope my, uh, I hope my, my fever voice doesn't suck. It sounds really gruff and angry rather than all fevery, but whatever. Um... Uh, <laughs> They made it all the way to the Shining Walls before they returned back. <laughs> and Rand stops his father by covering his mouth because he hears hoofbeats 
and he is scared shitless. So he's crouching over his father, sword in hand, hand over his mouth, kind of, oh my god, please no, please no, please creator, no, come on, no, 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 no. And that's when he sees the Dark Rider. You know, he's like, he supposed it could have been villagers coming for help, but he knew it wasn't true. There was the dark horse and the scary rider with the hood pulled up, and even in the billowing wind it didn't move an inch. And the Trolloc is, I mean, I'm sorry, and the, the, the rider is followed by 20 Trollocs in a double file, all moving in step, as if obeying the thoughts of a single mind. Are we already, like, this is, there is no way around it. These Trollocs are bound to the Murdral. So if Rand, like, you know, tossed his sword lucky and, like, stabbed the Murdral in the neck, you know, maybe all 20 of those Trollocs would have just fell over dead. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's the one Land kills later. So, I guess we'll see. Uh, no, I think there was more than one Murdral, right? Uh, I don't know. But yeah, it's the first time they discuss um, Trollocs and Murdral connected. Uh, and I found that interesting. Rand recognized something going on there, but he didn't know what it was. So, that's kind of cool. And then this is where we kind of get, uh, uh, oh, no, no, no. So, yeah, he, uh, they run off, and Rand waits, because he's like, this is dangerous. This is very dangerous. I'm not going to move until I'm sure they're gone. And just when he decides to move, the horseman comes back silently, and you're like, oh, shit. R good thing Rand did wait, and good thing he was taking his time with getting that movement going. Because the Murdral's back, and he's, he's staring into the trees around where Rand is, He's looking, he's looking. I have no idea how he doesn't sense Rand or how he doesn't know, but I guess Rand is just lucky. Uh, Tavirin, hooray! <laughs> uh, and then the Murdral just speeds off back to the farm. Yeah, and Rand's like, I don't care why the Trollocs came anymore. Uh, I'm as fine if I never know why they came. I just want it all to be over. And you're just like reading this and going, oh, poor Rand. Oh, Rand, buddy. They came here for you. <laughs> they came here for you and your friends. You will know and it will not be over, buddy. I'm so sorry. It just hurts you to hear that line. He doesn't know why they're here. He doesn't care. He just wants it to be over. And you're like, ooh not gonna happen buddy not gonna happen your life is not gonna go back to normal no matter how much you want it to so at first his fear was helping him move forward um wait there was something else i wanted to say oh yeah there's a lot of people who bring up um that kind of this whole the eye of the world beginning was kind of taken from uh uh the fellowship of the ring and I do get all the similarities, and if I remember right, a lot of books kind of modeled themselves off the Fellowship for a little while. But the funny thing is, is like, you know, when people first said that to me, I was like, what are you talking about? Because, again, I read The Eye of the World when I was like 15, and I didn't read The Hobbit or The Eye of the, uh, or the Fellowship of the Ring until I was in my 20s. I had copies of them. But I was never ever to get able to get through the full fellowship because whenever I got to the Barrel White's location, I don't know what it was about the dialogue or what it was, but it was around this time I always kind of got lost in the book. 
and it really frustrated me, so I always kind of put the book down. So I've started The Lord of the Rings, I don't know how many times, but then I get to the Barrow Whites, and all of a sudden I'm getting really confused, and then I kind of put it down, or I read a little bit further. I think I've gotten all the way to The uh, the Return of the King at one point, but I'm, uh, I'm going to have to get back to it one day. Maybe when I'm done with all of The Wheel of Time, 20 years from now, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll start, like... Uh, the, the Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. I'm getting off topic again. All, all I wanted to say is a lot of people bring up that this kind of portion of the story is stealing from Fellowship, but since I always read this first, to me it was the Fellowship stole from this, which is really not accurate, but, like, I like it because I like this series better. So, um... Yeah, Rand's fear allows him to move forward uh, and overpower his exhaustion for a while, but it doesn't stay for long, you know? You're moving through the dark, you're hauling the, the litter, you're hearing your dad mumble to himself, you're full of fear. Um, eventually, you know, his tiredness is going to win out, and it did, and it made it harder to keep moving forward. He's slogging along now. Uh, and I love how he just starts to kind of try to make it easier for himself. He's imagining what will happen when he gets to Emmons Field. And he's imagining winter night in full swing. He's imagining everybody um, moving from house to house, talking, laughing, feasting. There's these fun little anecdotes about uh, Master Luhan will have one brandy too many and he'll start singing until his wife shushes him because he's a horrible singer. Which is exactly how they describe Perrin later. So yeah, apparently Perrin learned his singing skills from his master. <laughs> uh, they describe, which I even like this part more than the Master Luhan part, that old Sen Bui will like to prove he can still dance. So he'll go out and prove it that he can still dance as good as the young kids. I want to see that. Does anyone else hope that's in the TV show? Does anyone else hope that there's, like, a scene of Winter Night before the Trollocs come and you see old Sen Bui dancing? I, I, I don't know why. It just seems amazing. Um, and then you get the fact that he's imagining that Matt's going to try to pull a, a, a stunt, but it's not going to go right. Everybody's going to know it was him, but have no proof. And the whole idea of all of this was giving him great comfort, and it was giving him a good smile on his face. He is feeling better. He's loving it. And then this is when Tam starts speaking loudly again in his fever dream. Avendasora. It makes no seed, but they brought a cutting to the king. They never make peace, never. But they brought a sapling as a symbol of peace. Five hundred years it grew. Five hundred years of peace with people that make no peace. Oh, until he cut it down. Why? I love how you can tell that, um, no, no, no. Until he cut it down, why? Avenda Aldera. Blood was the price of layman's sin. I love that while you're hearing Rant, uh, Tam and his fever dreams, he is talking about anger. He's angry, you know, a little bit at the opposing Aiel, but it seems like most of his anger is towards the Westlands. They called them savages, said they could be pushed away like nothing. When would they learn? They called them this, they called them that. You know, Tam knows that these people are not idiots. Tam built a mutual respect for, um, 
the Aiel. But how could he not? I mean, to Tam, the only thought he could have in his head is the man who fought in the Aiel War is that his son is an Aiel. I mean, do you really think Tam thinks he's half Aiel or anything like that? He found him on the battlefield next to a maiden. He's a, he looks exactly like an Aiel. I mean, do you get what I mean? Like, how could, how could Tam bear true hatred to Aiel and raise his son, who's the spitting image of one? No, it has to be mutual respect. Laman is who he's angry at. The Westland Kingdoms for not taking it seriously enough, is who he's angry at. And I love that. He's, you know, I don't think we've ever heard Tam use the phrase black-veiled Aiel. Not once. Ever. And I love it. Uh, if I'm wrong, let me know. But I don't think he ever uses that term. So, yeah, this is where Rand's, like, wondering what kind of wacky fever dream his father's having, you know? Like, everybody knows Avendasora belongs to the green man. Besides, these are all just stories, right? Oh, no. But this morning, the Trollocs were just stories? Oh. Oh, no. He, Rand wonders, like, next... Might he meet the Green Man, an Ogier Giant, or a Black-Failed Aielman? It's just... What's up with all this foreshadowing? Was anyone surprised at all to meet the Green Man at the end of the series? Was anybody at all surprised at meeting Ogier, uh, Loyal, the Ogier? I mean, we're on Chapter 6, and Ogier had been brought up as real, like, four times. This is... Maybe, I don't, like, what is going on? It's like, he's heavily putting it in here, and I love it. Like, it doesn't take it away from me at all. It just makes me wonder, like, when did I realize, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to meet Shamista this episode. Is it Shamista? Oh, what's his name? I'll have to figure it out. Um. All right, here we are at the very end of the chapter. Um... This is when Tam starts speaking up again for the last time. And this is actually the clip of the day that I put in the beginning of the chapter. And he describes leaving the battlefield because he needs some fresh air. He needs to get away from the blood and the stink of the battlefield. And this is kind of where you kind of get the feeling that Tam's kind of done with it. Like, if you think about it, I think we learned he joined the Ilioner army at, like, 17, because he ran away from home at 16, and he joined the Ilioner army a year later. So, yeah, at, you know, he's been in war for, like, 20 years at this point? I mean, because he's 38 when he returns to the Two Rivers, and Rand is still, like, this little thing in swaddling when he comes home with Kari. So it can't be that long after this. Anyway, so he leaves the battlefield, and that's when he finds Rand, a baby blue with the cold, just laying there in the snow beside his dead mother. It's bringing him sadness, but it's obvious at this point that, you know, he, he, he's done. He's done. He, he's fought all he really wants to. And seeing this child and knowing that, ch that Kari, his beloved wife, desperately wanted a child and... You know, as we learned in the last chapter when I read Tam's portion of the Wheel of Time Companion, 
they, they had two children that didn't make it. One was stillborn and one died of a fever in infancy. So, I mean, like, this was probably Rand's first severe inaction. <laughs> you know, the little baby crying in the snow, drawing the attention of the absolute best man to find him. Not only find him, but raise him right and teach him the flame in the void, which is the exact thing you need to access Sidene. I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm just saying. So yeah, he's like, yes, lad. Yes, yes. Kari always wanted a boy. Uh, take him back. Uh, yes, Rand is a good name. Good name, lass. And uh, yeah, Rand is so shocked. He stumbles and falls to his knees and like quickly turns around and stares at his father. <sighs> and again, like I said at the beginning, uh, this is the very beginning of... Well, it's just a fever dream. He, 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 he is my father. You, you are my father. I'm your... He can't finish the sentence. I'm your... He can't finish it. And uh, he climbs back up, refusing to listen to anything else his father has to say, and starts continuing on towards the village with a never-ending echo of in his mind of, Tam's my father. Tam's my father. Tam's my, Tam's my father. Tam's my father. With the chapter ending with Rand thinking, Right, who am I? Does, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it's been a little bit. But, I mean, does, do you think Rand already kind of knows that the simple truth is, is that Tam was telling the truth right in here? But he's refusing to accept it. He can't say, I'm your son. He stops. He's constantly, you know, echoing himself. He's my father, but then who am I? He knows, he knows, he's just not willing to admit it. He knows he does not look like his father. He knows his mother was a red-haired outlander, but there's really no proof, and his father just said, found him. Rand is not having a good day. This is probably the worst day slash night slash into the next day Rand has ever had. So yeah, that's the end of the chapter. Next chapter is Out of the Woods, which, you know, it's going to be when he's like, Nynaeve, help me! And she's like, I can't, sorry. And then she, she, she goes off, which has always been a point against Nynaeve to me, honestly. I think that girl could have healed him if she really tried, but she was admittedly worried about everyone else that's hurt. So we'll, we'll get into that next time. That was the end of this chapter, and yeah, it was pretty fun still. Not very long, very informative, and it gave you a lot to think about, didn't it? Yeah, it did. So, without further ado, that is the end of Episode 7 of The Return to the Wheel of Time. Uh, come back tomorrow for the next one. It's gonna be good, because that's probably when Moraine heals him, unless it's a place of safety. Hmm, we'll see. We'll see. I kind of want to see that first use of the power. I'm pretty excited. Um... Yeah, so as always, I'm going to leave this off with requests to anyone who's listening. If you would like to draw a Wheel of Time fan art and sign it and send it to me, I would be proud to display it anywhere I can and call you awesome and give you all the praise you deserve because I just don't think there's enough Wheel of Time fan art in the world. There's just not. There, there's just not. And if I ask you to make it, and then I display it, I could take the smallest little, like, tiniest iota of credit for it, 
And as someone who can't draw even a stick figure without being embarrassed, trust me, that's important. Uh, also, if you would like to uh, re-record my spoiler entry uh, recording, uh, if you'd like to, I don't know, uh, with your own version of Forsaken, that would be really, really fun. Send any of these things to gleemanradio at gmail.com, and I'll put them in here and give you all the credit. I'm not saying anybody has to, but it would be really cool if we get some audience participation eventually. Uh, a new thing here is... Uh, if you'd like to actually just read a couple quotes from the chapter and send them in, be like, these are the best parts ever. Um, yeah, I'll put those in the video too and give you credit. I don't, I don't care. I just want audience participation. I want people enjoying this as much as I do. I, I, who knows? Maybe I'm just like wasting my breath, but I don't care. I'm having fun. That's what's important. <laughs> so I hope you all have a wonderful rest of the day, wherever you are, morning, afternoon, or evening. Remember, as the eye you'll always say, sleep well and wake. No, that only works if you're going to sleep. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Bye. <laughs>